0: Death is the ultimate life hack, because just the very understanding that the human experience it will expire at some point, that hopefully would encourage everybody to be super present and mindful and live with a sense of urgency. What's up, everyone? It's your boy,
1: Danny Lopriori, and welcome to Off The Cuff. You might know me as the guy from the Basement Yard, Vine, the Low Priori podcast. And while I love to make people laugh, just know that I've struggled with my mental health for most of my life, just like many of you. Here on Off The Cuff, I will be talking with some of the most impactful influencers, athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and mental health experts to have real, unapologetic conversations about mental health and breaking the stigma that surrounds it. This show is for you, and I'm so happy to have you here. Now, let's talk Off The Cuff. Welcome back to Off The Cuff. I'm your host, Lope Lopriori, and today I am joined by the best-selling author, Craig Siegel, the author of The Reinvention Formula. You've seen him on TED Talks. He's a global keynote speaker. That's what you need to know. And he's highly sought after. And guess what? We were able to get him today.
0: (laughs) I'm excited to be here, brother. Thank you for that unbelievable introduction. Usually I'm the one dishing them out. So it feels nice to be on the receiving end. Let's have some fun. Let's get nuts. There's no place else I'd rather be. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. First thing I I wanted to ask is as a kid, did you like speaking? No. You were you were a quiet kid? To be honest with you, this might surprise you because if you look at me now, you see me on stages and the way I show up on social media and so forth. But I'm actually an introvert. And when I leaned into this and reinvented myself, it was uncomfortable. But I also know that you know your comfort zone is the death sentence. So I leaned into it and I got better at it, and it was less scary each time. And so being able to show up and, and speak. And that was something I had to work on. And interestingly enough, I found out recently, which might probably won't surprise you is that the number one fear in America is public speaking even more so than death.
1: Mm, you want to know something? It makes a lot of sense to me. It really does. <laughs> it really does Cause you listen, I, I I do stand up for a living. So yeah. Even before I started doing stand-up, I was doing podcasts, you know, just social media and all that. But when I would get in front of people, I would get nervous. Like if someone came up to me and they're like, I'm a fan of you, it's like either imposter syndrome would set in or like I don't know how to like act in this situation. But as time gone on, obviously I've been able to get over that stage fright because the fear of death is the reason why I do public speaking now. What do you mean by that? So My fear is not of death. We're all going to die. I'm totally down to die, going to die at some point, got to accept it. Right. (laughs) But I don't want to be one of those people that's blessed enough to get to 80, 90, if God, you know, whoever is willing and be there and be like, I had an opportunity to do that. Why didn't I do that? So I've turned the fear of death as an idea to be, Why would I not do these things before I die? Because I used to be afraid of death all the time, too. And
0: then I was like, I can't be afraid of something that everyone's going to experience. I actually I have a reframe. I love what you said, and I agree. I have a reframe, and that is that death is the ultimate life hack, because just the very understanding that the human experience will expire at some point. That hopefully would encourage everybody to be super present and mindful and live with a sense of urgency in the moment and do more things that you actually want to do instead of, you know, living eventually with the price of regret, which I believe is the greatest price of all.
1: See, I love when I have people on this show that like really do public speaking. Like, you know, I I go on stage and talk about nonsense for an hour, but real public speaking is something I think that has a negative connotation to it. Especially deep in the industry, because people have a, a, an idea. Everybody thinks that somebody's a guru or whatever. There's a negative connotation to public speaking. So when you go in and do public speaking, are you like kind of aware of like the cliches about public speakers? And like, are you aware of like trying to be different than what other people are doing out there? How tapped into the industry are you? Because I know it's a fucking tough business. To get hired over somebody else. You know what I mean? It's like, why would they hire me over that person?
0: True. Yeah. So I do so many different things. Like When I reinvented myself, I created a 10-lane highway with each lane representing a different way to make an impact and also do business, speaking, coaching, book deal, podcasts, communities, all the stuff. But speaking is something that I'm very passionate about right now. To be honest with you, I'm in a little bit of, I have tunnel vision, like almost kind of like ignorance is bliss. I don't pay attention to too much about like the clichés and after I'd love to hear some of the tropes or some of the things that you're referring to but for, well, one thing I definitely do is I do want to separate myself. I don't want to say the same stuff that you've heard, you know, over and over and over yes. again. And also I'm I'm a big believer in in really being able to connect with an audience. You have to resonate with them, disarm them, right? Like let them in, be vulnerable, obviously authenticity and so forth and so I think the best thing that you can do for speaker is be yourself, but obviously be organized, have a structure. You want to take them on a ride. Stories and lessons are always good. People can connect with them. I'm not too familiar with some of the cliches, but I do think it's important to stand out and be super authentic. And I'd love to hear some of the cliches that you're referring to.
1: So the cliches that I'm referring to are the ones like, I'm going to make you rich. So people think, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like people think that you go and see somebody speak one time. And then you're automatically going to be rich. Or if you go and see somebody one time that, you know, you're automatically 100% going to be cured of any anxiety or panic or something, you know, wherever, where you're going to the cliches of being like, I went and saw this person. And in that moment, which I believe that in that moment, it can push you to your journey to start your journey. But what people get caught up in the ideas of, all people as entertainers. Like, I've had people meet me and be like, Oh, you're so much more different than you are, like on your show and stuff. There's certain aspects that are painted to the world because everybody thinks of Tony Robbins. And I love Tony Robbins. But the things that you have to really catch yourself understanding is that he's pushing you towards. Like, this is something you're going to work on for your entire life. You have to embrace these journeys in life. You can't look for quick fixes and stuff like that. It's like, People sometimes, it's like the traveling people in the old West that would sell those elixirs. <laughs> you know what I mean? They pull up in their wagon and then disappear overnight. I always say on this show, you have to, if, if this conversation that we have today helps somebody think a little bit different, that's all I want. But what you have to do is you kind of have to follow that light and that spark
0: that went off in your head. It's so much homework. People have to embrace the homework. A couple of things. I love it. Number one, like this conversation right now, for anybody listening, for all your listeners, it's not necessarily power, it's potential power. Like somebody actually has to be available to consume it and then take action. I talk about this in the book a lot. Like you see a lot of the same self-help junkies at every single event. And sometimes I scratch my head and I'm like, you know, I love the fact that you want to go to the events, but how are you still in the same spot as I saw you last time? Like in between the events, are you taking action? Are you taking the notes and then applying them? That's why one of the things that's so important to me when I speak is not just to elevate people's frequencies and get them all excited, but to give them practical, tangible strategies that they can sink their teeth into and, and immediately start making reasonable progress. I think that's yeah. important. Look, Tony Robbins is the godfather of the industry, nothing but yeah. I actually haven't seen him live, but I'm, I'm friends with Dean Graziosi, his partner and so forth. I did hear this. A lot of people that go to his events... They get like this high after because they're super pumped up and excited, which makes sense. But then a couple of weeks later, they're actually more down than they were when they originally went to the event for some reason. Like they get, I don't know why, maybe they don't, they get real fired up and they don't take action. I'm not exactly sure why that is, but I did find that interesting.
1: Yeah. It's the, the adrenaline dump. I did a show in Toronto for like five, 600 people. Mm-hmm. I'm I- on this high, right? I get off stage and then I go back to my hotel room. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do now? You know what I mean? And and the adrenaline dump is crazy. Yeah. You know, like I would love to see the percentage of like people that start a business
0: like that day. And then it's just like, it's it's over like two weeks later. Yeah, most people, they will not take action after hearing a great speech. They'll be all fired up. They'll take notes. And then literally the next day, it's like, you know, back into the matrix. You have to be so conscious and take action. Like, how do, how does that keep you motivated? Do you play the
1: percentages when you go on stage? What are the percentages of people that take action, you think, in your mind?
0: You know, and obviously, it keep you motivated. it depends upon the event, right. right? Like, I was just in Nashville last week at a big entrepreneurial event. I think probably less than half the people there will actually hit the ground running and take action, sadly. I think that's just with, with anything, really. Yeah. Now there's dreamers, then there's doers. You know, me and you, we have a sense of urgency. If we hear a nugget that we think we can apply, and it can elevate our life or the people around us, we're all over it. Yeah, I got to get after it. Yeah, most people yeah. procrastinate, or or they have fear of judgment, or fear of the unknown, or whatever the case may be. You got to create a sense of urgency for yourself.
1: Because I find it just so interesting that when people go in public speak, it's almost like a baseball player batting average so for the female listeners i'm not saying that if you don't know baseball but sometimes i mansplain things on here so in baseball if you get on base 30 percent of the time you're really really good mm-hmm. really good hitter so do you have like any kind of mentality because like if half the people in the room that's a pretty damn good number
0: yeah look I take pride in being really good at what I do. Right. Do yeah. it, do it well. And we're only three years into this, but we people say they've never seen anybody explode their personal brain in a short amount of time. And one of the things that I do is I'm a big believer in preparation breeds confidence. And I'll be honest with you, I never said this out loud, but I've become very good friends with a lot of the, my peers in the space and so forth. And a lot of times, like we're a big speaking engagement sharing a stage, they'll say to me, like, I mean, do you know what you're gonna talk about? They're like, eh, you know, we'll see how it goes, or I'll see, you know, depending upon you know how I feel. I think that's a little irresponsible. And just to be clear, like we just did our TED talk, that specific talk was supposed to be memorized to the T, which was really cool. And that was a whole level of growth and expansion. You can't memorize every single talk, but I yeah. do think it should be super intentional. Like who is the audience? What do I think that they need to hear? How can I make this talk different than the other one in case the same person was there twice and really be deliberate. And I think that you gotta to really know that your audience and, and find ways to really connect that ignites a fire within them, they are inspired to take action.
1: I want to talk to you about taking action, right? At one point in your life, like a lot of people, right? You were extremely unhappy in your life. Yes. Can we talk about a couple of the things that led up to you being unhappy
0: in your life? Yeah. Uh, About four years ago, I was on Wall Street. I had a 13-year career there. As you can imagine, Wall Street's a lot of fun until it's not. Very unpredictable, very stressful. And I was so invested in this story, brother, that this was it for me. I was a Wall Street guy, I'd make a certain amount of money, I'd always have toxic relationships, I'd always be stressed out. I was so invested in that story that I gave it life and I gave it energy. And I found myself in a really dark place a few years back, right before the pandemic. I had just got out of a toxic relationship. My best friend, my dad, had just gotten diagnosed with cancer, still battling. And even though I had my own business and I was making money, as it turns out, there's a lot more to success than just making money. Wasn't exactly putting a dent in the universe. Mm-hmm. And I was even drinking a little bit more than I'd like to admit. I think I was just trying to escape my reality. I was so unhappy. I was like anxious about the future, depressed about the past. I was anywhere but the present. And then I started running all these marathons. And that was significant because a few years back, you couldn't pay me to run. Now yeah. Yeah, now I'm paying to run marathons. In fact, we have one in five days, in New York City marathon. Oh, I don't. Fun. Yeah, thank you, brother. Big
1: one. That's why I said, when, when I saw that you, you six times you've done the marathon?
0: This will be my seventh.
1: This will be your seventh, right? So yeah. I'm looking like,
0: oh, this, oh, I'm like, wait, this
1: dude's either got to be like fast and recovering, you know, like figuring out like uh, his caloric uh, intake for the day coming up. So I was like, you know, I hope he's not a little bit too irritable. I don't want to keep him too long. Nah, I know
0: yeah. he's in the zone. Those things are fun to me if I'm being there, kind of like my outlet. But when I started running, I'm so romantic about running is because what I was alluding to is I found running or maybe running found me at a season when it was really dark for me and I wasn't super pumped up about life. Mm-hmm. And so running provided me a purpose when I desperately needed it. But it also, it showed me that I could be successful at something that I didn't necessarily have experience in. And okay. I took that with me. And then when the pandemic happened, I shut down my office, for what I thought would be two weeks. That's when I totally reinvented my life and I put together my whole CLS brand and, and started the personal development stuff and, and it really exploded. And for the first time in my life, I was in alignment. And so when I think of a really unhappy time, or dark place, it was just a few years back. And I think that's so valuable for your listeners because everyone sees me now, like all the celebrities on the podcast, speaking all over, beautiful fiance and all that. It wasn't like that as recently as three and a half years ago, but it doesn't take time. It just takes alignment when you find your purpose and you go all in and you have a reason to be excited every single day. And so I hope that that encourages the listeners here today in case they might be in a rut.
1: I fucking love that because you want to know what it is. People look at people like you, right? Mm-hmm. And they look at the surface, right? This guy's got it all together. You know what I mean? Do you ever fall out of alignment yourself?
0: Absolutely. Probably once a day. I'm only human.
1: (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I think people need to hear that too because it's like, oh, because we look at the people that we look up to, right? And it's like people always say don't meet your heroes, but I don't look at it as don't meet your heroes like they might be an asshole if you meet them. It's just going to be like, I don't want to meet my hero because I only know them as like this 10 out of 10 on going for it. People have bad nights. And I'm talking in terms of stand-up. You know what I mean? It's like, I've seen some comics that I love and I've been like, oh my God, I've seen them have bad nights, you know? And that's perfectly fine. Can you talk about the process of you getting in alignment? So you're talking about you're doing the running, you close your business. Are you afraid at this time? Or do you feel that you know where you're going to go? Are you in the moment? What's the process of you getting to that point where you're reinventing yourself?
0: Yeah, beautiful question, brother. I think we need to all stop being afraid of being afraid. And at that moment, the biggest risk to me was to play it safe because I was just coasting and I was miserable. And so when I created the space to reinvent myself, if I'm being honest, it was kind of a forced pivot because of the pandemic and the lockdown. But I looked around, brother, and I saw a lot of people binge watching Tiger King on Netflix, drinking a bottle of wine a day, not being judgmental. <laughs> you know,
1: I mean, I had to get through Tiger King. I had to get, I, had I to do it, but I feel you, I feel you.
0: I just said, that's not going to be me. I don't know when we'll have this historic opportunity again to reassess. And so from there, I created my reinvention formula, which is the book and so forth. And there's a lot in it, just this, but if anyone's out there looking like, how do you get into alignment? Or I don't even know where to begin or I'm 80 years old. Like, first of all, it's never too late. You're never too old. Here's something tangible that you could do immediately. I encourage everybody to make two lists. One, try to name 10 things that you absolutely love. For example, like, what would you want to wake up and do if you didn't have to worry about money or anything? I don't care if it's blogging, stand up comedy, running, whatever your thing is. Let's try to get to 10. And then make a second list of 10 skill sets superpowers, X factors. What are 10 things that you're good at? Everybody's good at something, or at least a couple things. And so for me, when I did that exact exercise, brother, because I was desperately looking for something else, it came to me like, hit me like a nunchuck to the throat. I'm obsessed with personal development, love it, can't get enough of it. And I happen to be able to communicate pretty effectively. And so I married those two, and I started my CLS brand, I put together the vision, built a personal brand, and never looked back. Now, for someone listening that's like, oh, well, easy for you to say, it hit you right away. Okay, so what are your things? What do you love and what are you good at? Maybe it won't be 100% right there, but we'll collect some data and we can try new things. Maybe we'll find out what we don't want, but you got to get in the damn arena. And if it's not the thing, it'll most likely be the thing that leads to the thing. But hopefully this will give you a little bit of clarity to at least start.
1: We like to speak in absolutes here. And I love when I have people who could re- like take what I said that was 15 minutes long and articulate it into one sentence. So you're amazing at that, by the way. Thank you, by that, Absolutely. What was the thing that you disliked about yourself the most before you were able to get into this alignment for yourself personally? Was it something physical about yourself, mental about yourself,
0: emotional about yourself, exterior influence? That's a juicy question and I love it. And I had never been asked that until this very moment. And as soon as you asked it to me, it came to me in two seconds. And that was inauthenticity. Mm. I was trying to be something I wasn't. For 35 years, I was showing up, I was a people pleaser, recovering people pleaser. And I was basically showing up to the world following in the footsteps of other people's expectations. But whose expectations? I don't even know. I created this persona of what I thought the world wanted to perceive me as, but it was all bullshit. And when I made this reinvention, I gave myself permission to be less than perfect. I stopped waiting for the the perfect time. And I said this, there's no guarantee that this is gonna pop off. I had less than 300 Instagram followers, I had nothing going on, but I was all in on this. But I made one guarantee to myself. For the first time ever in my life, I will show up as the real, raw, organic, strange cat that I am. And I'm definitely not gonna be for everybody. And that's okay. In fact, that's preferred. But the right people will gravitate, and God forbid if I failed, at least I failed being myself. And ironically enough, by the once I started showing up as the real Craig, that's when the world began to see me.
1: My big thing on this show is authenticity and people's stories, because a lot of times when people do interviews like this, it's like let's start at the beginning. Like, what was it like, like when you were a kid and stuff like that? I like to get into like the juicy, thick shit of it all. To be like, you know, it's like, yo, like, what did you really fucking hate about yourself at one point in your life? Cause I feel like in terms of having breakthrough moments, I don't think we're ever
0: too successful to have a breakthrough moment. No. We're, we have the mentality that we've never stopped learning, we can always grow and evolve. And even like, like I was a popular kid and I put that in quotations because like I had friends and like Yeah, of course. We, I'm just like having revelation right now. Like a lot of my friends and look, I still have love for them. I don't think I'm better than them. I just, I'm going in a different direction. But even back then, like they were obsessed with cars and I kind of became obsessed with cars, but I never really loved cars. Like, yeah, I think it's nice to have a nice car. It feels good. You know, it drives smoothly. That's where it ends for me. I don't care so much about the engines and how it sounds and what this means. But for so long, like I I thought I needed to love cars, but I, I really don't. I give a shit. So, <laughs> and to be honest, with you, that's a break that just happened right now at this moment. Like, that's just an example of how I was trying to be something I'm not. Yeah. And now it's like, I'm weird and strange. I show up, I see some weird things. I refer to my haircut as my hair piece. <laughs> People, when I'm on stage, my mom's like, You got to stop saying that. People are going to think you're wearing a dupe. I'm like, Who cares? <laughs> yeah. I'm just me now. And it's so liberating and freeing. And, and it's true. I won't be for everybody, but I'm not everybody's glass of tequila. That's okay. Right, but but when you stand for something, you give people an opportunity to see the real you.
1: Yeah, I think uh, not that you're controversial, but to be in somebody's eyes, you might be controversial, which is a great thing. Just on a business spectrum, if it's it's all about what can you do differently than somebody else, while also being able to kind of do the same thing within the realm. If that makes any sense, really? I always tell people embrace your weird. If you're not hurting anybody and you're not hurting yourself, embrace your weird.
0: I like to say, if I'm not weirding you out, then I need to step it off. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I got to make you feel uncomfortable at some point in a conversation, whether in a good way or a bad way for us to make (laughs) for us to make any headway in this situation. That's it. You were talking about being a a people pleaser, right? Mm. Does that coincide with your definition of radical acceptance at all? or was that something that you kind of wanted to build off of in terms of people pleasing?
0: I think yeah, maybe acceptance. I didn't love controversy. I didn't love to, you know, altercations. I wanted to make people happy. And I think to an extent I still want, you know, people to feel good around me. For sure. But I'm not going to do things that don't feel good to me. I'm going to protect my energy for life now. I'm going to set boundaries like for me, if it's not a hell yes, then it just might be a hell no. Right. Like if I don't want to go somewhere, because I know that if I go there, like I'm gonna be in lowered frequency, I'm gonna end up building resentment, then why would I go there? I'm inauthentic to myself, I'm out of integrity. I'll probably be a bad vibe. So I just want to I want to pay attention to what feels good. Just to be clear, like that doesn't mean you say no to a hundred percent of a hundred percent of the things, right? But you be much more selective with your energy, right? And and who you allow into your bubble of serenity, so to speak. Do you think there's a happy medium when it comes to comfort, right? Because
1: I think when people have this false idea of success, it's like, I have to be a multimillionaire, like you said, I have to drive a three twenty eight i v eight. you know what I mean? like I have to I have to do all these things. Do you think that success is something that we have to find our own definition of success, not, you know what I mean, and not always because listen, I know people that are millionaires. And they're miserable, you know, and I also know people that are millionaires that are super happy. And then I also know people that don't have shit and they're content with not having shit, you know, and by not having shit, I mean, like they like to live comfortable. You know, they're not going on vacation. They're not doing the whole thing. They just want to be comfortable, have a roof over their head and take care of their children and be able to have their children take over
0: whatever it is when they leave. That's right. And I'd love to challenge you on your own show if you don't mind, because I think it's a really provoking question. What does success mean to you? Success means to me
1: is I love my parents. I love my parents to death. There's nothing I wouldn't do for them, but they were a great blueprint for me to realize how I don't want to live parts of my future and how I do want to live parts of my future. So to answer your question is the terms of success is I want to be comfortable financially. That if I go out to to dinner with my wife or a couple of friends, I don't got to worry about the check. If I want to go on a vacation for a weekend, I'm able to do that and be comfortable. There was a lack of comfort growing up. We bounced around from different houses and stuff like that. My level of comfort is my bills are paid with a little extra cash and making sure that mentally I'm stable enough to take care of myself first. I love my wife. I love my wife to death, but my wife still works. It's not like some old school Italian relationship where I'm like, yeah, you stay home and clean everything up and I'll see you in a couple hours. My life is unconventional. I'm on the road. I'm bouncing around. I'm doing this thing. I want to be able to come home to a comfortable Zen
0: lifestyle.
1: I already know that if I was given millions of dollars, I don't know what I would do with it. That's where I'm at in my mind. But, yeah, that's a great question. I appreciate you challenging me. But it's just basically I want to be in a sense of just financial and mental comfort where I don't have to mesh them together if that makes any
0: sense makes a lot of sense. A word that comes to mind that I think will resonate with you with kind of how you're describing it in in one word is peace peace.
1: see this is these people just
0: articulate. I
1: just want, yeah, wake up, man. I, I see my dog's first thing in the morning. I reflect on where I've come from in my life. You know, listen, my parents worked their ass off. They're, all their parents were immigrants. They were the first generation of Americans. We're second generation. So I'm learning from them on things that I shouldn't be ex- exposing either my future children, shouldn't be exposing my wife to. There's things that you learn from your parents that are good or bad. I think everybody understands that. And that's kind of what kind of molds us to how we want to push our lives together and i love my parents but my parents didn't have their retirement home until they were like 70 and that's okay they got it eventually but in my mind i'm like i gotta have that before that i have to be able to take care of my family and myself
0: yeah yeah it's like yeah i think success is not dominating in just one area no all the areas like are you striving to you know create wealth for yourself okay great Are you working on your fitness, your mental health, your spirituality, your relationships? I think it's dominating in all the areas. And just to be clear, it doesn't mean you're a 10 out of 10 in every area, but you're on the path. You're striving. Oh, man, I'm 10 out of 10 in a
1: couple, and I'm two out of 10. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it becomes those things where I don't overload my plate, unless it's food sometimes, but like, I don't overload my plate because I know that life and you'll understand this is a marathon. But sometimes during the marathon, if you want to keep pace, you're going to have to speed up a little bit. So, you know, it's still a race. It's still a race. It's a race of pace. That's what I just kind of look at my life. Is this something that I want to do 100 miles an hour right now? And if it is, that's where I go. I get tunnel vision, like you said, that's what I want to do. So, you know, I used to be a man of many talents and a master of none. And I used to think that that was a bad thing. But as I get older in life, I'm like, you know what? I kind of enjoy doing that because look at all these lanes I've opened for myself. Right. Yeah. Good for you, brother. Appreciate that. I love when guests challenge me on the show because you want to know what's something. It it, it allows me to have those revelation moments in my life.
0: That's what yeah. makes meaningful conversations is when we're diving deep and going back and forth. It's like a collaboration.
1: Yeah. It's just like interviews are always fun, but like I always tell people just be like, hey, man, like uh, we had a dietitian on here a couple of days. She was like, what do you eat every day? And I was like, I fucking love this because now I'm put on the fucking spot. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? And it's like, and if I lie, I'm doing a disservice to the audience and I'm doing a disservice to them for taking their time to be on the show. And she's like me out. Like, you know, she's been like, hey, like, let me check in on like what you're eating and shit. And like checking me out. Honesty is the best medicine for a lot of things, whether it be fear of, you know, how people are gonna respond. Now I I don't have the patience to lie anymore. It eats at me. It kind of kills me now. It's heavy. Yeah. I was having this conversation with my wife, being like, I looked at her, and this is the way I think. I was like, my heart's been beating nonstop for almost 35 years. And she looked at me, she was like, are you good? I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. But like, this is the type of stuff that like blows my mind. I'm like, my brain and my heart have been working for 35 years straight. I was like, you know what? Maybe I should do a couple of things to make their job a little bit easier. You know, it's, I almost start sympathizing with my organs. It's just such a weird observation that I
0: had. That sounds like a good revelation.
1: Yeah, it's a good revelation. It's just the observationalism that I go through every day in life is like, I'll stare at things and be amazed. Like, I don't know if you have moments like this either, but I'll stare at a TV and like three minutes in, I'm like, this is amazing. I was like, how does this fucking thing work? So now, (laughs) but I go the next step now. So like, I don't go I actually look up like how a television works and shit like that. So I've always been an explorer when it comes to innovation. For you to create something called the reinvention formula, what was your kind of thought process? Did you have a moment where you saw something going on in your life and you kind of took that second step to kind of figure out how it works, what's going on? Did you look up chakras? Did you look up mantras? Did you look up the definition of a human vibration? How much research went into it before you were like, holy shit, Like, I need to make something out of this?
0: So I had been studying personal development, or I like to call it human development, for 15 years like a lunatic, before I reinvented myself. I utilized it to be more successful in business, to be more successful in building relationships, to cultivate confidence. I was obsessed. I just didn't think I was worthy of turning that into a career, brother, until I realized this is more than just a passion. This is my assignment. And then I put it all together, but it wasn't like I okay. So here's my idea. Now I need to learn about it. I've been studying this stuff like it was, my, you know, like my life depended upon it. And for anybody listening, I encourage you all. If like we talk about being physically fit, you got to be mentally fit, and that's a, a job that's that you need to stick to every single day. And even you said earlier in the conversation, like it's good for people that hear me speaking right now or, or you to let them know, like we're humans. If we have moments, right? And just to be clear, I have a moment every single day when I need to catch myself and get rid of the negative thoughts and kind of get over that and beat the opponent in my mind. But that's why doing the human development stuff, whether it's this podcast or reading a book or you know, whatever your thing is, is to consume something positive and, and inspirational every single day. But to answer your question, long-winded answer. I was studying this stuff for so long, I just finally created the space in the pandemic to put it all together and realize. No, no, no. this is more than just a passion. This is what it is for me. Isn't it so crazy,
1: though, to think that just off your human curiosity of, like, trying to find these little, like, you know, these little intricacies to, like, get better at what you were doing prepares you for, like, this huge moment of, dare I say, it enlightenment of where you wanted to go with the rest of your life. So it was like you were unknowingly studying for the rest of your life, which is always a cool concept. I just love to think of, like, How
0: you never thought it would be a job, right? But I think the cool part about that is like, it wasn't like I was studying like about cars, right? Or about like baseball cards, which are both cool. Personal development is something that everybody can benefit from if they do inner work and work on themselves as much as they work on their craft. And so I had just been obsessed with it. But, but I, I encourage everybody, if you're not doing a lot of personal development, work on yourself, hiring a coach, a mentor, consuming, doing, reading books, really should lean in. I love when people are nerds
1: about like shit that anything like so, like, you know, when people mm-hmm. are nerds about cards, people are nerds about welding. Like those are the people I love to talk to. I'm like, yeah. yo, be a fucking nerd, dude. Because yeah. I used to tell people all the time I played football and I remember... Having a conversation with people in the locker room one time, and they were like, Oh, this kid's a fucking nerd. I was like, How many passing yards did Peyton Manning have last week? He was like, 314. I was like, You're a fucking nerd. We're all nerds and we nerd out about certain shit.
0: People have to embrace that nerdy part of themselves. Not only that, brother, but I would pay attention to that, right? Yeah. Nerding out about something. That probably means that you have a low-key obsession about it in a good way. Yeah, yeah. How can we turn that into something? How can we monetize that? How can we maybe make a career out of that? So I think there's really something to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, people got to embrace their nerd, man. Yeah. I'm printing the t-shirts right now. I don't know if this is a relatively tough question, but it might be. You said you're, you're engaged now, right? Correct. How do you separate your alignment and their alignment? And do you have moments where you're like, I have to be honest with this person about, I'm not really feeling aligned right now. I need to chill, put them over here for a second. How do you do that in, in your personal life?
0: Because these are things I struggle with as well. First of all, I have contrast when it comes to relationships because I was in a couple of relationships that were not the right fit and they were toxic. Oh, yeah. And as a result, I learned a lot from what I don't want. And so when I reinvented myself, it wasn't just a career change. It was really my identity. And I started work on myself a lot, and that's when I was available for the right fit, which is my fiance. And she she's something totally different than what I used to attract in the past. Probably not a coincidence because I was a better version of myself now. Look, here's the thing: I'm no relationship expert, brother, but you're not going to see <laughs> right. you're not going to see eye to eye about everything with anybody, let alone your significant other. But are the core values the same? And also, can you respect each other no matter what? Right. So I don't have to agree with everything that she says. And likewise, but can we respect each other? Because once you lose respect, I don't think you could based on my experience game over. Like yeah, I don't it's know, hard to get it back. Yeah. So look, in regards to like, alignment, you want to be in aligned with the partner. Otherwise, I wouldn't suggest marrying them because alignment's a strong word. But being in alignment doesn't mean that there won't be disagreements or where you see you don't see eye to eye in certain things. But just make sure they're not huge thing. They're not like some of the core, most important things. That's what i would right. saying.
1: Yeah. I, I always say, like, to people ask me, they're like, oh, man, like, you know, you're married now. It's like so beautiful. I'm like, listen, man, it is a job just like anything else. 100%. And you know what I mean? And you guys are both the boss. So as soon as you guys understand that you're 50 50 partner, it's going to help a lot. You're running a business and the business is called life. Right. So you know, you know, how do we make this business run the best that it can? Yeah. And that's why like um, she has other intangibles and she brings other intangibles to the table that you probably don't and vice
0: versa. And there, there's a lot that goes into it. Of course. Yeah. And look, she's not even obsessed with personal development, right? Yeah. Kind of exposed her to it, but that's okay. But like everything else, you know, we're making sure to laugh, respect each other with the best time, love her so much. There's just certain things. It's a little bit hard to explain, but the respect factor and communication, right? Yeah. And I'm no expert in that. But one thing I did learn is if you're feeling some type of way about something, don't bottle it up because then you'll build up resentment and and they'll end up probably being a big fight. So just communicate and get on the same page and maybe even set some ground rules like, Spoiler alert, you're going to argue with your spouse at some point. So maybe when you start the relationship, this is how we're going to handle an inevitable fight. Like maybe we won't bring up the past, you know, we won't be petty, stuff like that. Just being on the same page, I think, and setting some like a framework almost. Absolutely.
1: Last night for about two hours, I was watching lobsters molt, which lobster molting is them shedding their skin. Okay. So... About an hour and a half into it, I didn't even realize I was watching this many lobsters do this. I go, what an absolute blessing that like crustaceans have to be able to do that. And then I start thinking, imagine how amazing it would be for like humans to have this ability to actually shed their skin. And now in my mind, I'm like, well, you want to know something we kind of do in Mm -hmm. a sense. We do. We could change the way our body looks. We could change the way our mind thinks. We could change the way that we present ourselves to the rest of the ocean. Uh, yeah. we could change, you know what I mean? I wanted to talk to you about the eulogy exercise, right? Is there any sense of like the eulogy exercise that kind of coincides with the shedding of one's skin in a sense?
0: Yeah. So we talked about earlier, like the price of regret being the greatest. well. Yeah. And people often ask me, was I scared to step into the unknown, to leave a stable job that I was you know, successful at and step into something totally new at 35 years young? And the answer was, I was absolutely petrified of going back and choosing to be miserable. And when I did this eulogy exercise, where I basically visualized that this was it for me, who would come to my funeral, what would be said. What kind of impact, contribution, or legacy did I leave? And when I got really raw, brother, and honest with myself, I had significantly underachieved across the board. All I had to do was wake up and change everything, right? Yeah. Once I did that, I began to associate death with choosing to go back and stay in my comfort zone and be miserable. And so that's when it became available to start to put together what I'm doing now, and then because I made it so real and identified going back and being miserable, the feelings of fear stepping into the unknown slowly began to transform into excitement because essentially I was already living in my worst case scenario. And so it's a really deep exercise for anyone listening right now that's, that knows that they're here for something more than they're currently settling for, which I think is most people, if you look at the data and so yeah, forth, yeah. do a eulogy exercise, like hypothetically, like are you happy? with the contribution that you made, with the impact that you made, with the relationships that you have, with the legacy, the wealth that you created. And if the answer is hell no, then what are you going to do about it? What's the next move? So that's crazy deep. You know, like I haven't smoked weed
1: in, in ages, but like, <laughs> a part of me was just like, I had just had like a, like a weed epiphany. You know what I mean? Where it's something that really resonates with you because your mind is a little more open. We're recording this on the first of the month of November. For the people that waited for the first of the month to start their reinvention, what's a good first step for the people that are listening?
0: Yeah, I would go back to the tangible exercise that we did a little bit earlier in regards to making a list of things that you love, things that you would want to do with your life if you don't have to worry about anything else, and then a second list of all the skill sets that you're good at. Let's find some commonalities. But at the same time, let's not just wait for 100% clarity to get going. I'm a big believer in that clarity follows action. Like I said earlier, you gotta get in the damn arena, brother. And yes. also in regards to the universe, like now we're gonna get real deep. Like, I don't know if you how spiritually <laughs> A
1: very, very, yeah.
0: But like the universe, God, uh, whatever it is that the listeners believe in, but something, right? Like we didn't create the stars and the moon. The universe favors the bold. In other words, when you step into something new and exciting and a little bit scary, that's a good indication that you're on the right path. And the universe likes that because it shows a little bit of sign of trust, faith, surrender, right? Like that's when great things begin to happen, when you have the courage and the guts to step into and design a life of of your choosing, one filled with impact and inspiration and contribution and all that stuff. So you gotta be bold, and again, I was talking on stage last week in Asheville, and I opened it up with, your comfort zone is a death sentence. And for those people that like, well, what about imposter syndrome? Because I know that's very trendy these days. I don't like the word syndrome. I don't want to give it power. Here's a good reframe. If you're feeling that, that means that you're on the right path because that yes. means outside your comfort zone. And on the contrary, if you're doing things and you don't feel imposter syndrome, then you're probably playing it a little bit too safe.
1: I have a, a thing that I'd like to say to myself from time to time. I'd rather die a warrior's death because you said to get into the arena. I said, I'd rather die a warrior's death than a spectator's death. Yes. Even if I die trying, no one could take that away from me. So right. to even go to the eulogy and be like, you know what? He had his issues. He's a good guy. I loved him and I'm going to miss him. You know, that's what everybody has to get rid of this idea of perfect and just put yourself and throw yourself into the arena because like I'm not dying sitting in the stands. I'll die in front of everybody if I have to, whether it's professionally, whether it's physically, it becomes one of those things where it's I don't want to be one of those people that has to sit on the sideline and watch other people be great, not because I'm jealous of anybody that's doing well in their life. It's because I know what I'm capable of.
0: Yes, brother. That's it. It's a poem. It's my favorite poem. I think it's called "Man in the Arena," and yes. basically, exactly what you're saying, right? And like, who cares about people's opinions? They're probably like sitting in the cheap seats or the nosebleeds, yes. right? Like, no winners are going to hate on anyone else that's going for it because they recognize what it takes. And I couldn't agree with you more. Even if it doesn't work out, which it probably will, at least going for it, like that's where the the real success lies in the fact that you had the courage to stretch yourself
1: for sure. And like, listen. I look at people that are way less successful than me and I watch like how they edit their videos. I'll reach out and ask them. Yeah. You know, I'll reach out and be like, yo dude, like, how do you do this? Like, I'm really interested. I think what you do is really, really good. Like, you know, I think a lot of people have to find that within man. And I'm I'm just saying that as a whole, the human race, there's so many tidbits that are out there for free that a lot of people don't understand. I mean, just in this hour of conversation that we've had, there's bits and pieces that I'm going to take, and run with, you could see throughout the episode, I was stealing stuff. I'm writing it down, I'm typing in. (laughs) I always say on this show, I said, I trick people in the free sessions on here. It becomes little tidbits for me. I wanted to ask somebody
0: like you, writing a book, were you a strong writer before you wrote a book? I always wrote when I was a kid and I think I was pretty articulate and I was clever with my words. I don't know if I would consider myself like a, a strong writer per se. But I enjoyed it. I'm a pretty creative person. And like I said, I was pretty clever with my words. But until we got the big book deal and then it was time to start going, I didn't realize to the extent. And then it kind of had to flow out of me.
1: Yeah, right. Cause like, you're like, oh shit. Cause people are like, I wanna write a book. And then it's like, people who have some money behind it, you're like, oh shit, (laughs) I gotta write a book.
0: And it needs to be for real and it needs to be legit. What's next for you? I've been getting asked that a lot lately. It feels like we just kind of completed the first three year story arc. And yeah, I mentioned that 10 lane highway. A lot of things have been hit. I say very humbly, a lot of the big goals. And instead of just keep going, I'm actually taking a moment now to really reassess because I really want to think about what is that next level of expansion really look like. And you know, what got us here, and I'm making a hand gesture is not what's going to get us there. And I want to make the biggest impact possible, obviously, unapologetically make a lot of money doing so. So, sure we're still speaking all over the podcast is blowing up the book we just hit number four in the wall street journal bestseller. that's cool we're doing a lot of the communities boy. there you go thank you brother but but what else right like what really feels good like a good another challenge to strive for and if i'm being honest probably not the sexiest answer i'm actually taking some time right now to really get behind and get the clarity on what that is stop
1: and smell the roses baby that's it That's what I I love. People are always so worried about what the next thing is. There's times where I'm worried about and it's small shit. There's times where I'm so worried about like, oh, like, you know, how are sales in fucking Tuscaloosa going, you know, for the show? And then it's like I look at my dogs and my wife. I'm like, yo, be present. This is pretty cool what you got going here. Yes. You know, and I'm just like, yo, you know what? I'm going to hop on Nintendo Switch with the boys because I haven't spoken to them in a little bit. Maybe fire the Xbox up. Maybe play a little COD. Take a little break <laughs> to, to water these seeds. Relationships. I like to call relationships seeds. These seeds and water them. You know what I mean? It's like, you know.
0: Fire well, the Xbox up. I love it.
1: Oh, fire the Xbox up and water some seeds. You know what I'm saying? Play some Call of Duty. For someone like yourself, I'm not saying you're old. But again, sports reference, I'm 34. I only got a couple contracts left. You know what I'm saying to be in the league? You know what I mean? Yep. For you doing something for those people that are listening that feel maybe they're a little too old to leave their job that they have now, but they fucking hate it. You know, they hate their job. They hate what they, you know, where their kind of life is at professionally. What are the steps for you to give them to get out of that situation?
0: It's never too late, and you're never too old. And it doesn't take time. It just takes alignment. And I would highly encourage anyone in that position to grab the reinvention formula. It's yes. also available and Audible, which is cool. It hits a little bit differently. It's our voice. But that's one of the messages that, that I want to showcase to the world. It doesn't matter if you're 22, 45, 79. It doesn't matter. It just takes alignment, figuring out what that is and going all in. And then you begin to quantum leap. Like people think what we've done is an overnight success. I was working on myself 15 years. I just put it all together, right? So, and you never settle.
1: I do this a lot of the time on the show. I buy people's books live on the shows. Love it, brother. So add to your library. Love it, man. Success. Yes. Just, I'm going to start the book tonight because I'll tell you this audible has fucking saved my life and that's all i want to say about it because they don't pay me any money but audible has saved my life i love everything that you're doing brother i mean you, you have a fan in me now like you know my thing is i do whatever research that my producer sends me but i don't try to oversaturate myself because i like to meet people i feel like it's like uh if you go on a date with a girl and they googled you before it <laughs> you know they already kind of have an idea in their head it's like I want to just talk to this person and meet this person. Where can everybody find the book and do you recommend that you have to be in a certain place to to read your book? Because you know there's there's sometimes where people recommend books and it's like, "Oh, well, you know, like this. I love books where there's no
0: starting point if that makes any sense." Makes a lot of sense, brother. And one of the things I take pride in is this book is for anybody in any capacity. If you want to be bold, think and play bigger, get clarity, entrepreneurship, branding, sales, relationship building, bouncing off rock bottom and everything in between. That's the, been the feedback. It's for everybody when you read it you're like wow, I really believe anything is possible and it's attainable and there's tangible strategies on how so. And where you can grab it really anywhere, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target. We still have our landing page up from the book launch which was only 2 months ago. The reinventionformula.com. If you do grab it there, you'll get some bonuses, but really anywhere you buy books. And also, if you do, when you are reading it, take a screenshot and, and take me on social media, every story, every single one. And I love to hear all the nuggets and the takeaways that people are applying. I always
1: love to ask authors that question. It's like, but especially in the self help arena, it's like some places you have to be at a certain level of part in your life. For example, like when Gary, Gary V is like very famous, you know what I'm saying? But like Gary Vee will speak and it's like I'm past that level. You know, I'm like where's the second level? A lot of things hit on the surface and then it's also I think it's really good when authors have stuff that are there for like every level of like where you're trying to get in your life. From what I'm taking is if I want to just learn how to be a better friend, is your book right for me? Yes. If I'm just trying to be a better husband or wife, is your book for me? Yes. See, this is, do I, I want to try and build a Fortune 500 company. Is yes. your book right for me? See, this is what books need to be. I agree. All-encompassing. You can't because at a lot of times when it comes to mental health, there's sometimes we segregate who we're talking to and how we're trying to better ourselves. Love that you're not segregating with the book. That was my attempt to challenge you. And guess what? You won. The last Thank question you. that I ask everybody on the show every week, Is are you happy today?
0: I've never been happier.
1: Love it. I love that. I love that. Like you were talking about just stopping and smelling the roses. I hope somebody like you, and it sounds like you are, so this is going to fall into one ear and possibly out the other, but maybe might hang out there in a little bit. I want to commend you for taking a leap of faith at your age because. Age, I really don't think matters, but I love to see that you're helping fight that stigma as well. I think there's a stigma that comes with age and being able to be a professional and get where you need to be in your life to make yourself happy. So I commend you for that. And I really appreciate you taking the time to come and fucking shoot the shit with me today.
0: Thank you, brother. I appreciate that I received that. It was a great conversation. We're kind of all over the map, but I think those are the most productive and the most valuable.
1: Yeah. I just feel like you come in with some prep, but let the conversation be organic and go where it has to go. Let it rip. Let it rip. I love it. Guys, go get the book, The Reinvention Formula. All right. Check out Craig Siegel everywhere. Craig, where can they find you on Instagram, Twitter, all the TikToks and all the Facebooks, wherever you're
0: at. Everywhere. It's at Craig Siegel underscore CLS. I'd you, probably hang out on Instagram the most. And if you like inspirational free texts throughout the week, you can join our text in community. Just text 917-634-3796. Text the word Danny. So I know you heard it here.
1: Yeah, there it is. Look at that, man. The fucking New York number is fuck. I love it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, guys, that's been off the cuff. You can follow us at one one OTC anywhere. Guys, go pick up the book. I'm going to start listening to it tonight. And then I'm probably going to DM him and bother him throughout every chapter. So that's just how it is. But I uh, appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for taking the time and hanging out with us today. Thank you, brother. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Off the Cuff, presented to you by One on One Life. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and send us some love with a review. And don't forget, we're all in this together and you're never alone. Peace. Faith Entertainment